Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tas Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Mitch Lindowski. He's the president at Symbionic. So Mitch, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, Tots. It's great to be here today. And thank you for the invitation. It's very kind of you. Yeah. So, you know, what I love about your background is you have a fairly entrepreneurial background, but you also work for, you know, fairly large or established organizations. Walk me through some of the entrepreneurial stuff you've been involved in. Wow. I will try to be concise on that. uh, (laughs) Maybe some highlights, maybe the ones that you learn the most from. Yeah, I'd say one of the highlights is in 2000, in the, in, in the, I got involved in the window and door products industry, and I had some entrepreneurial background prior to that in uh, marketing and telecom and some international work. But in the mid-90s, I got involved in the uh, construction products through the window and door industry. And in 2001, when 9-11 hit, I decided, hey, why don't we start our own window and door business? I mean, the phones aren't ringing. Nobody's buying anything. And I had just been in a bike accident, broke a collarbone in a bike race. Perfect time to go out on our own and just just, just throw all caution to the wind. So I guess that's my entry point there. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of a bunch of people that kind of done that, right? Because there's a lot of change and, yeah. you know, you know, saying it out loud may not have sounded great, but it sounded like it worked out. Yeah, it was a terrible idea on paper. And if you were to run that by an investor or I was single at the time, you know, your, your, your lens of the world when you're single and no encumbrances, your, your, your definition of risk is obviously a lot different. If somebody would say, hey, do you think it's a good idea? Absolutely no way. You should stay where it's safe and sound. What was the key to making it work? Number one, when you've heard the term burning the ships, burning the boats, number one wasn't to go half in. And I found that whenever I'm all in on something, the likelihood of it succeeding went up mag orders of magnitudes greater than if I was dipping, oh, I'm just going to try this. I'm going to check it out. So yeah, burning the boats, being all in has been the number one thing for me in my entrepreneurial side of business. That's helped make it work. Mm, I love that. All in. So walk me through you going in all in on entrepreneurship and then also working for companies. Like how did you oscillate and decide between going between those two? Yeah, I had a, a pretty good exit on a few companies in the in the 2000s, mid late 2000s, just before the market correction. And a lot of people says, "Wow, that was such great timing." I'm like, I have no clue what's going to happen. I just like stop it. You know, it's like when people say, you, 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 "What a great drive!" It's like I didn't even I thought I missed the ball. I didn't know it was on the green. So that was just good market timing and being lucky. And then uh, had had a couple other uh, businesses that I was involved in from a from a financial standpoint. And then as I was just deciding, you know, okay, do I want to go start something else? Do I want to buy into something? Do I, what do I want to do? One of the things that I realized is that it would be good for me. This sounds totally weird and, and going opposite. It would be good for me just to get some practical exposure of working for somebody else. And I said to my wife, I think this would be healthy for me. 
and actually went to go work for somebody else on purpose to get that understanding of what it's like to be a person working for another. What did you learn? Well, I got to learn the power of not being able to get things my way through authority. In other words, the importance of that when you're not, when you can't just turn the boat, hey, we're going to go in this direction because you don't own the company. It's a whole different position. So uh, attached to that was the respect and the, the value for people that are in those seats and not being able to get my way or do things my way was really, really valuable for that stage in my life because I've had such a track record of just being able to just, oh, go do this, go do this, go do this. And now it's like, hey, you have to work together on a team and have consensus, which in present day, and we've talked about this a little bit offline, how I consult and guide and coach people these days, this was one of the things is how do you work together as a team when you don't have the authority position? How do you build consensus when everyone's a peer? Great time, great time in my life. Yeah, I mean, what what are some practical tips in and around that? Mm, I was just in the coaching session on this with one of my clients. So one of the things is, is to set your ego aside. I'm going to globalize and I'll speak for myself per- personally. We tend to operate in the space of that we got the answers. It's like everyone driving down the highway faster than us is a maniac. Everyone driving down the highway slower than us is an idiot. We're going exactly the right speed. Really? That's interesting. That's that's fantastic worldview. Wrong, but interesting. So set your ego at the door. Check your set it aside and to be able to say, Get, 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 um, actually one of the, one of the guys I'm coaching right now, he said it to me yesterday in, in a session and I'm not going to give you his name. So it's, it'll, it'll be anonymous, but he says, I realize that I, humility is the number one thing I need to work on. <sighs> Love it. Ding. And so, uh, uh, be humble. And so when you're working on a team and other people see that you're bringing humility to the room, it invites my mentor who passed a few years ago talked about what are you doing in the room that's life-giving as opposed to what are you doing that's life-taking? And humility in a room disarms other, invites people, other people in to be engaged. So that would I, I would say to anybody out there listening, work on your humility and we're all on a journey on that. I've met the most arrogant people that once they understood how damaging it was were I, I'll use the word broken, but broken in a good way. Broken as in meek and tender and gentle and caring, empathy that they didn't even know what that word was. And all of a sudden they become very empathetic and sensitive. I'm going on a rage around this one. I'm sorry. Empathy, humility and empathy. Yeah. I mean, you, you said life-giving and it sounds like, you know, how you treat others, but also it sounds like letting ideas you know surface and curiosity is that kind of the aspect of it opposed to that won't work and but you know yeah. it sounds exploratory it walk me through this specific yeah that's a that's a part of it because if, like so for example if we're on a team together and you feel that i'm and i talk a lot about if you feel that you can trust me that gives you the space not to have it all figured out as well and as I feel that I can trust you, I don't have to have it all figured out as well. Often we bring in this 
freaking Superman cape, like we're the baddest person in the room, you know, uh, Bad Bad Leroy Brown, which was a song when I was a kid growing up. And we, we think we have to have this man of steel attitude in the room and nothing could be further from the truth. But come in there, guys, I don't have to figure it out. We can figure this out together. Let's work on this together and come up with a solution. Everybody feels like they're part of something. One of the a meeting I had earlier in the week, I, uh, this leader of this company, and I said to him, if you said that you were going to go down the street and start a new business, would your people want to go with you regardless of what you were going to do? Because if they say, for example, Tot, I don't care where you're going or what you're doing, I want to do it with you. If you can get your place to that space as a leader or on a team, man, that's like that's like the X factor. Wow. Honking hard to get there. Honking hard to get there, but worth every every, every second of it. Yeah, I was talking to someone recently and, you know, he's he's an entrepreneur at heart, but he hasn't had a win yet. And he has a, a close uh, associate that keeps wanting to keep, you know, stay with him uh, through all these failures. And he kind of turned around and asked him, why are you following me? Because your failures are getting better. Right? And I want to be around when you hit it big because you're just getting better and you don't quit. Write that down. So that was that was amazing. Oh my gosh. Thinking of failures. Um, I've done many things wrong in my life and that's a whole separate podcast. One time somebody said, oh, you did a really good job on that. And I said to the person, I just call him Bob. I said, Bob, it's because I've made so many mistakes. There's fewer options left and the options that are left are more on the, on the, on the better choices. So I just run out of bad choices to make. What has been like your, you know, some of your best mistakes, like in hindsight, right? Going through it, Probably terrible, but after the fact, that kind of led the, you know, the foundation to you being successful in some of these uh, other ventures. Yeah, I'd say one of the biggest mistakes, which ties into what we're talking about, was believing that I can do it and I can make it happen. I had breakfast with a CEO this week that that was actually our topic. And he was, I, I said, I just call him Phil. Phil, you have the capacity to outdo anybody. You have the intellectual capability. You have the energy. You have the vitality. You, Yeah, you can outrun anybody. I, was, I remember when I was his age, I could had the same mindset too. It is such a lie. You know, when I was drinking my own Kool-Aid, that was the problem. I was the only one drinking it. I and mean, you know the story of the emperor's new clothes. You know, I'm like, hey, look at me. I got... A nice new robe on and some kid on the side says, you're naked. What? And so getting to the place where I realized I couldn't do it all on my own. And it was really unhealthy to do that. You know, the, the term, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. But slowing down, bringing other people into the conversation, bringing other people on the journey. One of my core values is in, in, in Symbiotic is that we are in this together. And I read those off to everybody, any new client, anybody who's interested in, in, in doing business with me, we're in this together. I knew what it was like not to be in this together. <laughs> so it, uh, it it's very sticky value for me. Yeah, for sure. And also part of business is, you know, each business is, I think you believe, is different. There's nuances of it. I mean, what are some of the specific insights, right? Specific to your situation, your business over the years that led to some of these wins? Again, we covered the humility. We're in, we're in this together. When I was developing the, the maturity to invite other people in, 
and to involve other people in the journey, that created better whims. Because I, I remember, again, I could go far on my own, but where could we go together? And then, again, tied into that. So one of the big wins for me is what was or and has and continues to be is being able to build what I refer to as, and I could have gotten this from a book, I don't know, healthy leadership teams, a healthy environment where there's high trust. Man, you know, average people with high trust can do amazing things. High performing people that are, you know, I have one of my, my core value number five, no buttholes. That's number five. Uh, high performing people that are acidic, narcissistic, assassins, whatever you want to call them. Working on a team, drag the team down and it creates disunity. So I will take the average person that's all in versus the high performing person. And just being able to be more savvy on that has really, really helped me and helps me when I work with clients. You know, I'll be with a client and they'll, they'll say, oh, yeah, we really want to hire this guy. Well, tell me why. Oh, the best salesperson in the world. Okay, tell me more. And they start describing the, the character and things like that. I'm like, why do you want to hire that person? Oh, because the best salesperson, because they racked up the highest numbers, but nobody likes them. They have a terrible reputation, yada, 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 yada. So how does that fit where you want to go? Oh, like I've been down that road. I can tell you that that is, that's a terrible destination to get to. Yeah. Doesn't sound very fun. No, no. And, and I believe that when people in business, whether it's an owner or a leader or somebody just involved in a company starts to detach from personal desire to win and start to say, not how can I win, but how can we win? I was meeting with a, with a high-performing salesperson recently, individual contributor, and he was saying, yeah, you know, we were competing for who can win at the end, had the best numbers at the, end of, at the end of the month. I said, well, what does it look like for you to come in second place? Oh, it's terrible. I'm like, really? If you posted your highest numbers for the month and somebody else did better than you, what would it look like to celebrate their win? Ding, 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 ding. And he realized that he was playing for himself. If we're playing to win, you're encouraging me to do the best that I can do. And I'm encouraging you to be the best that you can do. And if you have higher numbers at the end of the month, let's just say that it's even a thousand dollars spent, I'm going to celebrate your win. That's awesome. Because dude, yeah. I killed it, but you killed it, killed it. I'm not sure if that's a word, but look it up. Killed it, killed it. That's all. There's no space. You know, you did better or, or, the, or than me. Gosh, that's awesome. What would it feel like for that other salesperson to experience the affirmation from the amazing salesperson that they eclipsed that month? So much wind in their sales versus yeah. oh, you suck. I mean, you see that sometimes in sports, right? Where like dying to beat each other, but then they respect each other's great shots or whatnot. Yeah. I mean, you think about Formula One right now, if you've watched uh, Drive to Survive, fantastic Netflix series, you know, you get two people on a team. Anybody that uses the word team in Formula One can spell only, but the definition of team usually is not represented in the two racers because I want to win. And if you win, that means I'm not winning, which means that's bad. So I will do, you see the gamesmanship of the negative racing, the, all the psychological warfare against their own teammate. You know, I'm making $40 million a year. You're making $40 million a year. And we're still playing like 12 year olds in the schoolyard. By the way, Formula One, it's fun to watch, but I'm just, you know, giving them a hard time right now. 
But man, when you get people that are saying, we're on the same team, we're fighting for the same win, we are in this together, I have your back, which is my core value number three, by the way. I have your back and you know it. Get out of the way. Any business I believe that's operating in a market vertical can own that market vertical if they've got that attitude inside. Absolutely. I know that you know this is probably a b- bigger topic. You you started in and around EOS, uh, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, which some people are familiar because it's popular. And then I guess you're you're coaching based on the Pinnacle System. Without going into too much detail, can you walk me some of the to specific differences between those? Because I know EOS is fairly popular, but walk me through the specific differences between that yeah sure addresses and a shout out i I know a lot of folks at eos that are eos implementers shout out to the eos folks great people out there great program you know you go from using nothing to using eos you just you you, you're like you have four red bulls you know you know boom (laughs) here's one for you right there there you go i would say one of the differences is that uh, eos again great respect we refer to eos as eos pure that it's a predetermined system by a defined set of uh, standards and things that you implement, where Pinnacle is a bit more open with a lot more tools. And so at Pinnacle, like we'll look at a company, let's just say your company, we'll say based upon where you're at on the journey that you're in, these are the tools that we're gonna work with for your company and these ones over here, which are really, really cool that's not for you. Later on, we might need those. So we've got give or take a hundred tools. And if so, if we're focused on people, we're going to work on the areas of people where you're at, and we're going to bring the tools to work with with you that are most relevant to you. Versus these are the four tools for people, you know, out of the box. And again, love EOS, big fan of the plan. But that's that's a primary difference. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong. It has an aspect of advisory, whereas EOS is a little bit more facilitation. Yeah, that's, I hadn't thought about it that way. That's a, that's, that's a good way to, that's, well, at Pinnacle, we were referred to as a certified Pinnacle implementer. I'm what's called a guide. And some people call me a coach. Um, I've even been called Tinkerbell. There's a true story. And I, I this lady that I was involved in, in business with, I said, so tell me more about that. And she said, well, it's because you sprinkle the pixie dust and everything flies. <laughs> I'll go with that. I'm going to take that as a 100% compliment. I like how you so, asked the question, right? Because, uh, you know, not everyone will take that. Tell me more about that. The way that, you know, she intended. Yeah. So, yeah, whether people call me a guide or a coach or Tinkerbell, you know, my goal, and I, and I tell people, my goal is to take you as far as you want to go. And some of the things that I look for when I'm engaged with with, with a client, and I tell people, when I get to meet somebody and we're talking about, say, Pinnacle, I've had five meetings this week on Pinnacle. I say, guys, this is an audition. This is an audition for you to see if I'm a good fit for you and if Pinnacle's a good fit for you. But also, are you a good fit for me? Because number five is no buttholes. So I'm also vetting buttholes out. But I'm like, do these people want to go somewhere? Because sometimes you meet companies, yeah, we're looking for an operating system. We're kind of checking it out. We'll try Pinnacle. I'm like, man, unless you're willing to like jump off the high dive and I see that you're willing to go into the unknown with no guarantee of success and willing to take risk, you know, because I like those people because I could do a lot with that. 
So anyway, I like that. I was just um, visualizing your burning the boats uh, thing earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So I look for people that are teachable and coachable. And that's a big thing for me. Like even when I first met you, I was like, this, I like this guy because he's, you have it. Sorry, I'm going to get off topic. You have this way about you. You're disarming. You're open. You're, you're inquisitive. Not everybody is like that in business. And, you know, I had a meeting with a, with a, with a CEO just, just this week. Hey, we've got it all figured out. I'm thinking, why are we talking then? You've got all the answers. And now he doesn't have all the answers. He thinks he has all the answers. I can't help that. But then it was like, oh, wait, I don't have this all figured out. I'm, I would affirm that. <laughs> but teachable and coachable is another big thing for me. Well, the learning is what makes it all fun, right? I think uh, why go through all the, the stress if you're not uh, experiencing and learning new things as an entrepreneur? Oh, totally. Totally. That's great. I mean, Mitch, you know, I'm, I'm sure we could sit here and talk about business all day, but is there something that I did not ask you, but you wanted to share? So I get to ask the question that you're going to ask me. You're going to ask me this question, Mitch, what makes you come alive? Okay. Mitch, what makes you come alive? I you PayPal. I, I just threw that as a flyer. So I love to be on a journey with other people that want to want to be on that journey, you know. And I and I think because I was looking at this, um, I was on a gravel bike ride this weekend out, up in the North Georgia Mountains, fifty miles, five thousand plus feet of climbing. It was honking hard tots, but I was on this ride with another gentleman, and we were experiencing it together. And it was super rewarding. I love being doing life with other people that want to do life with me. So whether it's coaching an individual CEO or working with a leadership team, helping some salespeople get unstuck on issues. I'm on the board of a nonprofit, you know, where, where, that we serve the marginalized community, making a difference there. But just let's do this together. That truly makes me come alive. I really feel completely in my space. My wife and my wife talks about this a lot and she kind of just sums me up. It, it's it's kind of in this category right there that you really, really love to do that. I said, I really, really do. That's great. Great question. Great answer. Well, thank you, Mitch. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom and stories. Thanks for the invitation, Todd. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Specify Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Tats Talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.